0: Bible. Travel all around God's Word tonight as we look at, well, maybe another tough, unpopular subject that is very much needed. Last week, you know, we had one on on, uh, discipline. And then this week, the subject is the financing of the church. You know, the, the preacher was trying to get the congregation really excited one day, and he and he said, he said, The church needs to walk, amen. Let the church walk, and the and the people said, Amen, let the church walk. And he said, You know, the the church needs to run. And they said, Amen, let the church run. And he said, The church needs to fly. And everybody's getting excited. They say, praise God, let the church fly. And then he said, the church needs to give. And they said, let the church crawl. And that seems to, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know whose attitude that is, but... We've come to the portion in our study on the financing of the church. And it's a, it's a very needed topic. It's, it can be an unpopular one for some for, for one reason or another. You know, people get a little funny on the subject of money. It, it just happens. But giving is a biblical topic that you find all throughout God's Word. We could go on such a, a long series on the subject of giving. We're just going to have one night of it though that we talk of it in relation to the church. But if the entire Word of God is going to be taught, this subject is going to come up. You find it all throughout God's Word. In the four Gospels combined, on the average... You know, looking at the average amount of times that this subject comes up, one out of every ten verses will have something to do with money and possessions. If we look over the entire New Testament, there's going to be a little over 500 references that are made to prayer. Even less than that, on the subject of faith, but when it comes to money and possessions as a topic throughout the Bible, we're going to come across that in the New Testament over 2,000 times. We will hit that subject and there will be teaching on it. There's instruction from the Word of God. There's warning from the Word of God on, on the dangers of the love of it and other things. Almost Half of the parables of Christ, almost half of them, deal with property and stewardship. So we have a a lot to learn on this subject of giving, a lot we can share from God's Word. But one lesson, one time, we're going to make four points tonight, and that is we don't own it. Our obligation with it, with what we have the operation of it, what it's used for, and then the open hand from it. So let's get right into it and understand that we don't own it. Some of this is similar to our stewardship studies that go on in January every year. And I've had the blessing of teaching every one of those series and and so I taught teenagers, and so teenagers would come in the door in January and, uh, on a Sunday morning, and I would say, nice shirt, is that yours? And they'll say, yes, and I'd say, no, it's not. Another teenager would come in with his sunglasses on his head, real cool, and I'd say, nice sunglasses, are those yours? And they would say, yes, I'd say, no, they're not. Next one would come in, and I'd say, nice shoes, are those yours? And they'd say yes, and by, the time, by that time the class is getting involved and everybody says, no, they're not. We don't own it. God owns it all. Though one would claim ownership of what they have, as in so many people, you, you've heard it. Look, I, I get up and go to work. I'll work hard. I, I'll make my honest dollar. I'll work a solid hard eight hours and, 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 and sweat and, you know, uh, roll up my sleeves and do my job. I'm faithful to my job. It's my money. It's my time I spend on it. I'll do what I want with what I have. You know, just because so many people say that doesn't mean they're right. And we find by the word of God that they're not right. We might consider here in Colossians 1.16 where I asked you to start that God is the creator of all. The verse says, For by Him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him." God owns it all. He created it all. He is the owner of all. And the 24th Psalm and the first verse is the best verse for this. It sums it all up. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Just a clear definition for, and an explanation for how everything belongs to God. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 8, the Lord says, The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. But God is not only the creator of all and the owner of all, God is the giver of all. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, and this is for the one who says, I get up every morning, I go to work, and I do this, and I make my money. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth. We're all familiar with Matthew six thirty-three. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We don't own it. Whatever is in our possession, we've been made overseers of, but we're not owners of it. We've been given all that we have, and all that we have is to be used in cooperation with God's will. Uh, We're instructed by God that what we possess is an entrustment from Him and put into our lives so, so we don't do what we want to do with what we have. And I'm not just talking about the first portion, the first measure that God requires back. I'm talking about all that we have. No one may ever say anything to you in your life about what you do with the other 90%, but God does, and we understand by His Word that we're responsible to Him with everything that we have. There was some kind of little, I'm not online much, but I heard about this little thing somebody put out. You know, somebody puts out this little saying and it just goes viral. Do people still say viral? Anyway, it's something about, it was around income tax return and it was something about be responsible with your income tax return. Don't go on vacation if you need dental work. Don't don't go on a cruise if you need to pay the rent. And, and, and so there's a responsibility that we all have with everything that we have to God. You may not hear from anybody else about the rest of it, but God has something to say about it all. We're not to use what we have foolishly. We're not to be wasteful or unwise with what God has entrusted to us. He's the owner of it and He has made us the manager of it. We are overseers, and the way we manage what has been put into our possession by God is to be to His honor and to His glory. But more specific concerning the management of what we have is our obligation with it. Genesis 2.15, you can turn there if you want, uh, but it's something familiar to, to us all. God put Adam in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it and to freely eat of what was produced except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was a reserved portion for God. They weren't to do anything with that. They were, they, they were not to eat of that tree. Even though they, had, they could freely eat of everything, that was something that was reserved for God. It was not to be of use to self. And so I don't know if you've ever thought about the pattern in that, but, but it's, a, it's a good sign of stewardship. And uh, Well, Cain and Abel, they were both to bring an offering to God. And then in Genesis 14, 19, God blessed Abraham, we find there. And Abraham blessed God in return. And the Bible says Abraham gave God tithes out of all God had given him. And then Jacob, that's in Genesis 28. And in verse 22, we see that Jacob understands that all that he has and all that he has been given, he commits himself to the obligation of giving back the first portion to God. He says to the Lord, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. We see in the last chapter of Nehemiah, The book has 13 chapters and in that 13th chapter we see the practice of giving back the first portion to God by Judah. In Nehemiah 13, 12 it says, Then brought all Judah the tithe of the corn and the wine and the oil unto the treasuries. In the New Testament, in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus speaks to the scribes and the Pharisees about what they are omitting. Let's go ahead and read it. It's Jesus says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and common and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. So he, he speaks of the tithe that they're giving, and they're giving it with the wrong heart and the wrong attitude, and they're omitting the you know, things they should have been doing. But he's saying that that tithe is good. It should have been done, and that's, the, that's a positive in it. The negative is what they were not doing. So we see the positive of the tithe that Jesus speaks of there in that verse, we have an obligation to trust God with the first portion of all that He has entrusted to us. We have an obligation with what we have, but, but where is it going to go? What is it used for? Let's look at the, op- the, the, um, the operation of it, the operation of what we give. Because we understand that any wealth we possess on this earth comes from God. Well, what is God going to do with it when we give it to Him? Let me go ahead and stop there on the way that I made that statement. To give of what we have is to give it to God. It's... It's not for us to say, well, these lights are on because I gave my portion that goes to the light bill. I gave my portion to the light bill. Or, well, preacher, you're able to stand up there because portion of what I give to you is, is why you're here and have your needs met. And, well, here's the understanding and here's what we're to know about giving. We give it to God, and we give it to God by way of giving it through the church, and then the church decides together where, as God leads, where it's going to go. We are going to have the best attitude, we are going to be able to avoid the temptation, to not give or to stop giving or to give less or to give differently if we first understand who we're giving it to. We're giving it back to God. And then God lays it on the heart of the church what it's, how it's going to be used. But we learn from the Bible where it's going to be used. God is going to use the first portion of what is given to Him for His work that is going to go on on this earth. In the Old Testament, in Numbers eighteen twenty-five, the priestly tribe of the Levites had much spiritual work assigned to them from God. And they were be, to be supported by the rest of Israel, the Levites were. When Israel neglected their, op- their obligation, the operation as far as what God was going to do with it suffered. And God told Israel that they were robbing God and that they were cursed as a result. You know, I, I don't know if a, if a message on this topic of finances... Can come up or be preached without Malachi three eight. So let me go ahead and read it. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse for ye have robbed me. Even this whole nation. Let's not let's not leave out the, this sweet part here. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Wow. Who believes in that promise? Who ble- that We're going to get to that in our last point tonight. You know, uh, special offerings were required by Israel annually. And I'm going I'm to skip over to Deuteronomy 14.22 and, and read that for you real quick. It says, Thou shalt truly tithe of all thine increase of the seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. There was a yearly offering for Israel. And then we find in God's Word where there was a collection every three years that took place, for the poor and these are all Old Testament examples that we have of the tithe and so as we go into the New Testament that can't help but make me think about an argument that goes on about all of this stuff and as well you find the word tithe and you find tithing in the Old Testament and uh, you know what do you have to say to me about what goes on in the New Testament that continues that one preacher says, do we really want to be outgiven by those under the law now that we are under grace? And that was just a statement I never forgot that the preacher said. Uh, but New Testament examples we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 13 and 14. It says, do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? and they which wait at at the altar are partakers with the altar. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Israel tithed to the Lord, and the Lord used it for His work through the Levites that all Israel gave to this tribe, this priestly tribe, and we see that the same pattern is carried out over in the New Testament. You know, there were once the priests in the Old Testament, but there's no longer the scriptural priest but there is the preacher of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is the pastor today as things continue. You know, nothing deserves financial support more in this world than the work of God. There's no greater cause that we can give to. You will not find a greater cause anywhere for the finances to go. The work of God involves saving of souls. The work of God is about someone's eternal destiny and where they spend their lives forever concerning heaven and hell. This depends on the work of God. And the work of God takes Jesus First and foremost, it takes Jesus. And the reality is, it takes money too. And I'll admit, as a babe in Christ, I heard that from someone and I wasn't very well learned yet. And I I didn't like that statement. Somebody said, hey, the work of God, it takes Jesus and it takes money. And I was sitting there, you know, baby Christian learning, still a baby, we're all growing, but, but it, after I was just saved and I was going, eh, I don't know about that statement. You know what I have found out? That that statement is true. It might, have been the, it might have been my pettiness and the person who said it, I don't know, but I got over it real quick after studying the Bible and thinking about the work of God because I started learning of missionaries. God calling men to the other side of the earth to share the gospel, to learn the culture of a people group, to learn the language of a people group, and to up and leave his home here and all he has ever known to go to a strange place that scared them to death in their flesh but they were bold in the spirit to go because God called them to do that? I'm thinking, wow, when God called me to preach he called me 16 miles down the highway and then he brought me back within 3 miles of the house. And I ventured out 7 miles away now and there are those that God calls to go all over this earth, how are their needs going to be met? How are they going to have some living conditions as they travel throughout this new place and share the gospel of Jesus Christ? It, it takes someone to send those missionaries. And we send them with financial support. It's the same for supporting the, the preacher or building the buildings uh, for the church that need to be built. You know, when, you know, it just clicked with me when I got saved and, and came before the church to be baptized and became a member of the church. It wasn't long, but there wasn't any preaching like this. This subject wasn't preached on at all. But yet I sat there and I'm going, I just joined this church and, and I'm breathing in this air conditioning and I'm sitting in this air conditioning and I like it. I, I, I showed my desire to be part of this church and, and I don't want the air conditioning taken away. I like to have a little light so I can see my Bible. And you think about everything that, that takes money. Uh, you know the AC, the lighting, the insurance, the office supplies. I mean, I mean, people are going to to just go crazy without without this uh, paper that we can copy stuff off of, and and everything that we use in the church. How about fuel for the van? It's time for me to go fuel the van up, and. And uh, man, that thing's probably going to take about $140 these days. I mean, what do you think about that? Should we stop picking up the kids and save that $140? Or should we pick up those? It, it costs to go do it, and we're glad to do it. It's, it's no complaint. It's just, it's just to, to, to touch the surface of, look, it does take Jesus, and it takes money for ministry, how about the care of those who have serious need that their needs aren't going to be met in any other way and they, they're unable to meet their needs? I mean, this, it takes finances to further the gospel. You know, selfishness in the area of finances would really hinder the work of God. It would, it would hold back. It, it could cause the, the doors to close and, and greatly hinder it. God has designed things so that we have an obligation that we would provide for the operation of the work of God on this earth. And hey, that's good for us. That's good for us. God doesn't need it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need what we have, but it's good for us. It's good for us that it is our priority that what God has given us, He has instructed us to give the first portion back to Him that He puts into His work. Which, and that expresses our trust in Him when we do that. It protects us from the love of money, which is the root of all evil. Some people really want to trust in money for security. I mean, the dollar signs and security and stability in life, that comes from money. That's where some people are. And the Lord is saying, no, 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 your security comes from me. I promise to meet your needs with your life in my will. He is our security. He would have us trust in Him as our security and not what we get. We might even be put in times of testing. You know, something could change in the financial situation and there's quite a time of testing that would say, do you really trust me in all things? Trust in the Lord for security. If one's trust is in money, we can't be expecting the Lord to provide our needs. That's outside of His will. Our effectiveness as a church, it depends on prayer, it depends on spiritual growth, and it depends on God's people giving what is required as we obey the Lord from out of all that He Has given us. Nothing cuts off the evil root of this love of money temptation like the faithful, lifelong giving to the Lord with the first portion of the finances. So, what gets done with it? There's the operation of it. God uses it for His work on this earth. Let's close with the open hand from it. You can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 if you would like to as we start to close. The open hand from doing what God has told us to do with what we have. The motive to give must first and only solely be to obey God. God said it, so that's what we do. That is the motive. That's the reason why we give. But in saying that, let me also say what God's Word teaches us. Obedience to the command to give has a boomerang effect. I remember that point I made years ago with some teenagers. Giving has a boomerang effect. Everybody knows what a boomerang is. You, you throw that thing out and it goes around and it comes back to you. And that's the effect that giving has. God promises to bless the giver. God gives back in different ways. It, you know, it, it may come back financially, or it may come back in a greater way than that, and spiritual blessings for the child of God. But be sure of one thing, that God promises to bless the giver. Be sure of something else also. We can't outgive God. I, I, I had a season of my life where I went to church uh, 55 miles away from the house for almost a year. And the preacher kept leaving. If I drove him to lunch, he left cash sitting in my passenger seat. And the first time I called him when I got home, I said, hey, you dropped some money out of your pocket. He said, I sure did, and God wanted me to. You keep it. And I got all bent out of shape. He shouldn't do that. But he said, man... I have learned that I can't outgive God. Please please just take it. And and so and so from this young preacher friend of mine that lodged in my mind that statement you can't outgive God. And I noticed that that's the way that he lived his life and he found that to be true. He believed that statement. He, he didn't believe it just with word. He put it in shoe leather that he believed that he couldn't outgive God. And he found joy in giving. He found joy in, in walking in the trust of that promise and seeing that God blessed his life. You can't outgive God. It pays. It pays to give to God. The return may be in many different ways, but in some way he pays and he gives blessings. I have a friend who loves Reese's Pieces, and he carries a little box of it everywhere he goes. He, doesn't, he takes it to church, and he doesn't leave it in the car because it'll melt, So he takes it inside and has it inside. And then, you know, after church, he'll go out to eat with uh, he and his wife, with another family or the preacher and the wife, whatever. And they go to the restaurant. And instead of ordering the $14 molten lava cake for dessert, he just gets his little box of Reese's pieces out because he has a sweet tooth. And he has to satisfy that sweet tooth. I mean, I I know what he's talking about. I have a problem with it. I need something sweet every time I eat a meal. And he takes his Reese's Pieces around. And so he opened his box and he saw how much was in there. And he, you know, he poured some in his hand and put them in his mouth. And the couple they went to lunch with, the man's wife says, Can I have some of those? And he didn't have enough to satisfy his sweet tooth yet. What was left in the box was what he needed to satisfy that sweet tooth. And he took his box of Reese's Pieces and he said it would have been cheesy just to drop, you know, half of what was left because there wasn't much left. So he dumped the whole box in her hand and he gave it to her. And he went home, all the way home, unsatisfied. He didn't have enough Reese's Pieces. The next Sunday, he shows up at church And this lady who asked for some of his Reese's Pieces, I don't know if she noticed the look on her face, his face, when he gave them or what, but she had a a tin, a a metal tin, and she just handed it to him, and the top was dome-shaped, and I don't know how she packed that thing so full, but when you pulled the top off, Reese's Pieces ran over, down, and she had written in the lid... Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. He learned quite a lesson with the Reese's Pieces. He felt bad that he was bitter about not having his last bite of Reese's Pieces. And can't we just apply that to our lives? Can't we look at God's promise, God's command, and His promise of what He's going to do in return? He is going to give, and He is going to bless in return. And then some good verses to close with are 2 Corinthians chapter 9... Verses 6 through 11. And Paul writes, But I say, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth Through us, thanksgiving to God. Oh, the promises of blessing that God has for the giver. And we will not outgive Him. Let us be faithful with our finances, which completely belongs to the Lord, that we are to give to Him you know, uh, I, went to a, I went to a Bible conference this past summer and um, the song leader, he, he wanted to make sure the offering was taken up before they sang, Jesus paid it all. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I just have a thought as we close and I just have a thought with the disconnect that is definitely going to take place tonight from this message with the one who does not know Jesus Christ... as their Lord and Savior. So you're not expected to submit to that. You're not expected to submit to giving. But you do need to submit to Jesus Christ. It's ultimately the one sin... that is not going to be forgiven... when we leave this earth. Rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And so as we close... I'd like to to celebrate and exalt Jesus and say that Jesus paid it all for you. He paid for all your sins and it took a perfect life for that to happen. You know, the Apostle Paul says... He says, I, I wish I could die for my own countrymen. I wish I could die in their place. And not that Paul thought he could die for sin and someone would be forgiven. He was just explaining his heart's desire that, that, that they would be saved. And not one of us could die for another. Not one of us could do anything to earn God any other way. Jesus paid it all on the cross for you and I. And if there's anyone here tonight who has not received the free gift of salvation, look, Jesus paid it for you. He paid the price on the cross. He went through the suffering and He bled and He died in our place for all of our sins. And the Bible says to trust Him. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall, thou shalt be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we pray that for you tonight, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For those listening online, I'm thankful for this broadcast that anyone can contact the church for any questions they might have concerning salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It is it is free for us. And, and so with that, um, take what you will, do what you will as a result of the Word of God. May we just be encouraged that we know that things do not just become routine and traditional week after week, That that we just give and it's something that we do. But... It's for the work of God. We're, we're giving it to God. We're not giving it directly to, the call, to, to a cause of the lights or, or the preacher or the air conditioner or anything else. We give it to God. And then He takes care of His work on this earth with it. Amen.